And we're going to turn uh, to God's Word. Uh, just to have uh, just been praying and obviously seeking the Lord over these uh, days, just for uh, messages and just for fresh revelation from the Lord and uh, a, a series of different messages that the Lord has given me over the last couple of weeks. But Friday morning, um, the Lord, late Thursday night in the early Friday morning, the Lord just came and, and gave just a set of messages just on Friday. So it took two weeks to get through here and get into here so we can get out of there, if you understand what I mean. Uh, but there's a series of messages just here on Sunday mornings that I believe the Lord has given me. And uh, we're going to look at that just as the Lord leads and just open our hearts to him. I believe the Lord wants to speak to us, wants to uh, bring revelation on where we are as a people today, uh, in, not just in Ballina Hinch, but in a wider context of where we are concerning the events that are happening in the world, and not so much to focus on the events, uh, but just to see, according to Scripture, where we are and what we need for this time and what God desires to give us for the hour in which we have come to. We have been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. Yeah. Acts chapter 2, we're going to begin here. This will be largely our anchor point over the coming weeks. And uh, after we read here in Acts, we're going to move back into the book of Joel, uh, the prophet Joel. I'll give you a few moments just to have your finger in uh, the prophet Joel, but we're going to read from Acts chapter 2, and then in a few moments we're going to move into the prophet Joel chapter 1. So Acts chapter 2, if you're there, and then I'll just give you a moment to get uh, that little prophet Joel, um, and then we'll turn into chapter 1. We'll pray together this morning as we turn to God's Word. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus for uh, your help, for your anointing, and Lord, that you would truly open our eyes and our understanding and our hearts. Lord, we come before you this morning, Lord, in ourselves. We recognize our own frailty, our own weaknesses. But Lord, we are asking, Lord, because you are a God that desires to speak to us and to commune with us, Lord, that you would speak this morning, Lord, through this vessel, Lord, that you would anoint your word, that you would give us ears to hear. Lord, hearts that are pliable, teachable, that will respond to the pro proclamation of your word. Lord, unstop our ears that we may hear and anoint our eyes that we might see. Lord, we pray for your Holy Spirit to come and to, Lord, as it were, gather us in as a hem, we gather her chicks. And Lord, that you would feed us, but Lord, that you would speak to us. But Lord, do not leave us as we are. Change us by your power. Lord, this morning we have no one else to turn to. Lord, the earthly things have left us dry and empty. But oh God, it is only you this morning that satisfies Lord, would you speak to our hearts this morning. May we not come, Lord, presuming. May we not come in presumption, Lord, of, of our own self-efforts or wills or ideas. But Lord, we do lay everything down. And we do say, Lord, have your way in us. Have your way among us. Have your way through us. And Lord, above everything that you glorify your Son, Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, 
Amen. Acts chapter 2 and, and verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. If you go down to verse 14, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice, and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. That's the title of these messages. This is that. This is that. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. Is there any sons in this room this morning? If you're a son, would you say amen? amen. That's every male. You should have said amen, because everyone's a son. Is there any daughters? Amen. amen. The daughters won. They get a lollipop on the way out. <laughs> they were louder. Sons and daughters. This verse, and these verses are going to be over these weeks, just I know they're familiar. They're so well known. But these will be our anchor point over these weeks. Verse 17 in Acts chapter 2 is a direct quotation from the prophet Joel. Joel chapter 2 verse 28 and 29. The prophecy of Joel. Like many Old Testament prophecies and prophets, as they came, the Spirit of the Lord would come upon them, and they began to prophesy what the Lord, the Holy Spirit, would give them. They had significance uh, in the day in which the prophet lived. But most of them were also relevant to future events that would unfold. We don't have a particular idea of when Joel the prophet lived because there are no kings mentioned uh, in his three chapters. But most scholars would believe this was some 800 years before the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he begins to prophesy, as the word of the Lord came to him, he begins to bring forth the prophecy that the Lord had put on his heart. Many of these prophecies across the minor and the major prophets concerned the coming Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, His birth, His life, His death, and so forth, His ministry. And so many of the prophecies have been fulfilled in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some would speak of the dispensation that Jesus would bring, the dispensation of the gospel, the grace of God that we are living in today. And then there will be some <clears throat> that would deal with the end times, the latter stages of time. 
And these uh, prophecies are being fulfilled today, and many of them will be fulfilled. Uh, all will be fulfilled, but those remaining will be fulfilled at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will fulfill all things in himself. And so they had, these individuals had specific tasks as the Spirit of the Lord would come upon them. One thing that you can be sure of this morning, and it's very important to listen to these words, whether you're saved or you're not saved, one thing that we can be sure of this morning concerning every word that's in this book, this Bible, this, this living word, one thing we can be sure of, we can say with Joshua of old when he said, There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. Everything in this book, everything in this book will come to pass. Every word in this book. That's why we don't change it. We don't take from it. Neither do we add to it. Because every word in this book, every word will come to pass. Not one word will fail. Whether you're saved this morning <clears throat> or not saved, that's important to you. That's very important to you. It should be important to you. So we see the prophecy quoted by Peter, first prophesied by Joel around 800 B.C. refers to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon all flesh, sons and daughters, young men, old men, servants, handmaidens, an outpouring of the Spirit of the living God. What a prophecy. What high exciting is that this morning that God says, I'll pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. And the Old Testament men and women individually would be raised up for specific tasks through faith in God. We see men like David by the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him. And as an individual, he would rise up and he would take out the Goliath. We see men like Shamgar that would, with an ox goat, he would take out 600 Philistines. Supernatural, powerful offense in the Old Testament by the Spirit of the living God. And Joel says there's coming a day when he'll pour out his Spirit upon all flesh. The same Spirit of God, the same Holy Ghost, the same Spirit upon David, upon the prophets, upon Moses. God would come and through the power of the new birth and Calvary being washed in the blood, he'd pour out his Spirit upon everyone. And it was a it was so unique in the upper room and when they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Not, not one person was left out. God is an inclusive God. Men, women, young people, old people, they were all filled. And this was the prophecy of, of Joel. Lord, do it again. My God, do it again. Do it this morning. Do it right here before this word's even preached. Lord, just Fall upon us and fill everyone with the Holy Ghost. Do we actually even believe it's possible? God could do such a thing. This is His Word. This is His Word this morning. This is the fulfillment of prophecy this morning. And so God reveals a time of outpouring significant and unique to this dispensation in which we've come 
Peter goes further as he, as it were, the way I seen it, as the Lord was revealing, it's like Peter, you know, we ever see in, in a, a relay race and someone has to pass the baton. It's like Joel brings forth the prophecy and through hundreds of years, the word of the Lord is given and a prophecy is launched into the future time. And it's like Peter, as he's raised up in the power of the Holy Ghost in the day of Pentecost, a failure, a denier, someone who let the Lord down and God raises him up and God says, you're the type of man I'm looking for. Just you trust me and believe me. And it's like he lays hold of that Old Testament prophecy as the Holy Spirit comes upon him and he lays a hold of it and Peter declares it on the day of Pentecost and launches it right into the future context. Right to this morning. This is what Peter says. He says in Acts 2.39, For this promise is to you, and this promise is to your children. And all that are far off know who he was thinking about. He's thinking about Balnehinch, New Testament Pentecostal church, 21st century church. Here's a promise for you. Launched 2,800 years ago and the reality of the word of the living God in our hearts this morning. The Spirit of God would fall upon us and all of us would be filled with the Holy Ghost and would all begin to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. It's going quiet. So the prophecy of Joel is as real today or it should be as it was 2,800 years ago. And so the question really is this morning, how many of us are filled with the Holy Ghost? Okay, I'll ask an easier question. How many of us want to be filled with the Holy Ghost? How many of us really want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Really desire to see the prophecy of Joel confirmed on the day of Pentecost because Christ was exalted and sat down and promised that he would send us the Comforter and the Comforter came. Filled a room probably not dissimilar to this one. There was 120 people in it so it had to be a fair size. 120 precious souls that had gathered in to that upper room and the word of the Lord that was prophesied. You see, not one word will fail. Not one. Everything that he said will come to pass. So the prophecy is as relevant today. They all speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I know some might go, oh, I'm not sure about the tongues. I understand that. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak in tongues. The Holy Spirit fills the vessel, and the vessel by faith begins to speak in tongues. So many times we're waiting for the Holy Spirit to do something with our tongue. But he comes upon us, and by faith we believe, and we begin as the Spirit wells up within us. By faith we step out, and we speak in other tongues. And the promise, of course, Peter says, Who's the promise for? The promise is to you. The promise is to your children. And to everyone that's so far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Should it not be the case that we should stand here today and I should be able to say 
that what the prophet Joel prophesied and what Peter declared, Peter declared on the day of Pentecost, should it not be said that whoever the preacher is, but for me this morning, that we're so filled with the Holy Ghost that I could say, like the Apostle Peter, this is that which the prophet Joel spake. There should be a this is that. There should be a this is that. Why? Because above the double doors as you're walking in this morning, there's a word up there and it says Pentecostal. That's not a denomination. That's an experience. There should be a this is that in my life and a this is that in your life. That you have been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit because that's the word of the Lord. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. Sadly, the church today largely don't see the need. We have great theologians, great scholars, great men of great ability today. We have many that are caught up, not in so much in the theological end of things, but just simply in the the experience of things or the emotion of things. And the church has become filled with many things. Filled with leisure, filled with opinions, filled with debates, filled with largely religion. But oh God, what about being filled with the Holy Ghost? Just filled with the Holy Ghost. You see, this is the introduction. And most of this you'll have heard before. And some of this that you've just heard, there's some won't even be moved, either by theological opinion or traditional experience or finding yourself in a position now that I can just do this. I come to realize I can't just do this. If we really want to know and see and experience the reality of what God desires to do, He is going to do it through a people that are full of the Holy Ghost. Contextually here, this prophecy, I want you to come with me this morning, is given amongst very profound and metaphorical language. That just simply means that there are pictures painted by the prophet that when you see it, The language is so explicit and so profound. Joel's prophecy is important, and I want to show you the importance of it. We know it's in the canon of Scripture. We know it's it's authoritative. It is placed there. It's been quoted uh, by Peter as we looked this morning. Also, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was uh, bringing forth the teaching concerning the end times, Matthew chapter 24, Matthew 25, the Lord Jesus Christ directly quotes the prophet Joel concerning events that are, will happen in the heavens. There will be uh, apocalyptic experiences and sights that are going to take place in the heavens. The sun will be dark and the stars will fall. There will be a shaking. This whole universe is going to be awakened at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see also that Paul refers to Joel in Romans chapter 10 and 13. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Joel calls it delivered. 
Shell, that's what being saved is. You're getting delivered. And then on the Isle of Patmos, uh, John the Apostle on the Isle of Patmos receives a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll come to it in a minute, but the book of Revelation is filled with references to the prophet Joel. So I want to read this morning, just that was our introduction, but I want you to stay with me. I want us to turn over into uh, the prophet Joel, if you could. And we're going to pick up in chapter 1. Remember, the anchor point is uh, chapter 2, but I want us to just pick up in the context of uh, the prophecy of Joel. So we'll read the first 11 verses, Joel chapter 1. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Hear this, ye old men, and give ear. All ye inhabitants of the land, hath this been in your days, or even in the days of your fathers? Tell ye your children of it, let your children tell their children, and their children another generation. Now which the palm the worm hath left, hath the locust eaten, and that which the locust hath left, hath the canker worm eaten, and that which the canker worm hath left, hath the caterpillar eaten. Awake, ye drunkards, and weep, and howl, all ye drinkers of wine, because of the new wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come up upon my land, as strong without number, whose teeth are the teeth of lion, and he that the and he hath the cheek teeth of a great lion. He has laid my vine waste, and barked my fig tree. He hath made it clean bare and cast it away. The branches thereof are made white, lament like a virgin. Girded with sackcloth for the husband of her youth. The meat offering and the drink offering is cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests and the Lord's ministers mourn. The field is wasted. The land mourneth for the corn is wasted. The new wine is dried up and the oil languisheth. Be ye ashamed, O ye husbandmen. Howl, O ye vine dressers, for the wheat and for the barley. Because the harvest of the field is perished. Now, I want to take you through this for a moment because this is the context that the prophet Joel brings forth and declares this wonderful prophecy of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You'll note that in the opening verses, the word of the Lord comes to, the, to Joel, the son of Pethuel. This is the word, this is the Spirit of God that would come upon this man, the Holy Spirit, to bring forth the prophetic utterance. And there's, there is a declarance. He declares, hear this, ye old men. It's a cry. It's not just, I want you to hear something. This may be of interest to you. The prophet declared the word of the Lord. They were rejected. They were imprisoned. They were put in dungeons. They, they were stoned to death. They were sawn asunder. But they were faithful to the word of the Lord. It is to be faithful to what God says, not what man wants or to please men, but it has to be a word that's faithful in this generation. And so the word of the Lord comes and he declares and says, Hear this, ye old men. Give ear, all the inhabitants of the land. Listen up. Has this happened in your day? So it's a question that he asked, and that's a question, Joel's question I'm going to put to you this morning. It's not for someone over here, or someone up there, or someone over in this country. This is the Spirit of God speaking to you and me. 
When I open the Bible, God wants to speak to me. This is his word. So when we open it, God is speaking to me because it's a living word. What we do with it's important. We have a responsibility to God's word. Isn't that right? So he says, hear this. Give ear, all the inhabitants of the land. Has this happened in your day? Your day. The 21st century. The day that we live in. Not in another day. Has this happened in your land? Has this taken place in the generation that you have come to be a part of? Has it even happened in the day of your fathers? Then he says, remember the promise that Peter said, it's a promise to us and to our children. But then he says, concerning this prophecy, make sure you tell your children about this. Then he says, and let their children tell their children. In other words, it's to your grandchildren. And let their children tell the next generation. In other words, this is relevant to me. This is relevant to our generation. The generation, the young generation, the middle-aged generation, the older generation. God's speaking to us this morning. He says, the palmer worm has left the locusts of Eden. And that which the locusts have left, the canker worm has eaten. Now all of a sudden, most of us, me certainly, most of us when we begin to read this go, well, I'm lost really. What? Well, how has this happened in my generation? Some of us are from a farming community, might know a wee bit about what we're talking about. But most of us are saying, okay, all of a sudden, I'm out of this. It's not for me, it's for somebody else. This is everything to do with you if you listen. The palmer worm, one which the palmer worm has left, the locust. This, and this is a message on its own. Many years ago, I can remember looking at it, but this is an evolution of this insect that brings havoc and devours the land. In the natural, okay? In the natural. Remember, God will often take the natural, what's happening in nature, to bring forth the spiritual truth. So just remember that. So I know we're talking about natural things. There is a spiritual truth in this, and we'll come to it in a moment. We see that there is, a, there is an evolution of destruction, a devouring destruction that lays the land completely waste. Has this happened in your generation? Then he says in verse 6, there is a nation or a people or an army that has come up upon my land strong, without number, whose teeth are the teeth of a lion, and he has the cheek teeth of a great lion. Now a lion has three types of teeth, three sets of, no, not three sets, but three types. The first one that every one of us are thinking about is the big long ones at the front that are seven centimeters long. That's the first thing. But then there's wee ones in between and they're for ripping the meat away. But then the most dangerous ones are not the big ones that everyone goes, oh, there's cheek teeth. And the cheek teeth are like scissors. So when they bite the meat off and they put that meat into their mouth, their teeth are like sharp as scissors. They just cut everything up. The Bible tells us that the devil goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may what? Devour. 
So we see here there is there are types that the prophet is bringing forth to us. Spiritual truths. He hath laid, verse 7, my vine waste, my bark, and barked my fig tree. He hath made it clean bare and cast it away. The branches thereof are made white. Now he's just talking about absolute destruction. Everything about this army, everything about this nation that he calls, that is rising up and come as the locust and devours everything. Everything is completely and totally devoured. Has this happened in your generation? Has this happened in the day in which you live? Saved or unsaved? Young people that are growing up in this world, let me ask you the question, has this happened in your day? I don't know. Has your eyes are so blind that you cannot see what's taking place in our nation? Are you so self-centered, so filled with your own life that you can't see beyond what you're doing and not seeing the devouring power of satanic power all around us. In this year of June, it was reported on the island of Sardinia that a plague of locusts has invaded the island, the worst seen in decades, that destroyed, within a matter short space of time, 2,000 hectares of farmland, and the farmers could do nothing about it. The harvest was destroyed. Spiritually, the locusts, stay with me. Please stay with me. Spiritually, the locusts are a sign of the judgment of God. It's the judgment of God upon a nation. God's sovereign, but he permits, he permits the dealings and the workings of satanic powers because a nation turns from God. When a nation turns from God, it's turned into hell. Right? Not what the Bible says. So in Revelation chapter 9, you'll see that the Apostle John takes the prophecy of Joel and brings out the truth of what the locusts are. Has this happened in your generation? Young people, is it happening in your school? No, I will shout it loud and clear. Is it happening, middle-aged people? Is it happening, old people? Is it happening in our day? Oh, I wish you wouldn't shout. I'll shout. Revelation chapter 9 tells us of a time. Revelation 9 verse 1. You want to know what the locusts are? Oh, it's a farming thing, nothing to do with me. I live in the town, I live in the city. It's everything to do with what's happening. Revelation chapter 9, now, the experts on eschatology, and there are many, may boot this at a certain time or to fit in with their end times belief. I'm just going to preach it the way I believe it and take it for what it is. And then the experts can put it into what they put it into. Is that all right? In Revelation 9, we see a series of angels and signs and revelations that come. It tells us here that there is a fifth angel, and I saw a star fall from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key of the bottomless pit. The bottomless pit speaks of a place where demons, satanic forces and powers, 
dwell. And the Bible tells us here that there's an opening of the bottomless pit. And out of the bottomless pit comes a smoke. And as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air are darkened by reason of the pit. In other words, what happens is, as much as if you've ever seen this on TV or a volcano opening and the smoke comes up and everyone is caught by the, the majestic sight, if you like, of, of what's taking place. But the whole atmosphere suddenly changes. There's a change in the atmosphere. It's just happened in your day. Is there a change in the spiritual climate? Any, anyone, anybody here actually getting this? There's a change in the climate because it's like the pit's been open and the smoke's come out. And it's like all of a sudden we're living in a day of tremendous change that we can't keep up with. We can't, and don't, I don't want to keep following the events as much as those events are important. But I don't want to keep following the events because we'll miss what God wants to do. And it's important to know the events. So there's a change in the spiritual climate. It's harder. I definitely want to give our young people a lot of credit this morning because I wouldn't want to be young in this world. I wouldn't want to have to grow up through it. They know what's happening more than most of us. They really do. They know what's happening. But let me tell you something also. One of the things that's difficult when you're younger, and you only probably learn this as you get older, it's hard to see beyond where you are. Isn't it? And I tell you, I'm going to be honest with you, young people, some older people, it's hard to get them beyond where they are too. It is. It's hard to see what's happening because your life and you're young and you're full of energy, you're full of faith, you're full of, you're full of belief, you're full of things for your life. But let me tell you something. The Bible says, remember thou the creator in the days of your youth. Don't miss it. Oh, if there's one thing, if you said, Tim, is there anything you regret? One regret. I didn't stick with the Lord from a wee boy right through only regret. And so we see in this a bottomless pit. And then in verse 3 it says, And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. So here we see the locusts. Now this is, this is so relevant to us. This is happening in our day. And unto them was given, what was given to them? Power. As the scorpions of the earth have power, so the scorpion. Now listen, I don't want us to get too confused or go too deep into it. But the locusts come out of the bottomless pit. And the locusts are given power. And the power that they're given is a power like a scorpion. And what does a scorpion have? It has a sting in its tail and it's poison. Isn't that right? And so now we see... That John's bringing us this revelation of these locusts and they're given power. And verse 4, it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth. So they're not here to devour your fields. They're not here to devour your trees. They're not here to devour the natural thing. But they are given that power 
and that power, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Now listen, the Bible tells me in Ephesians 1 and 13 that I am sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And if you're saved, you're sealed this morning. Would you say amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. And the good to be saved. I mean, we're reading this. I know it's heavy going. But praise God, if you're saved this morning, you're sealed with the Holy Ghost. And they don't have a power on us. That might go against the grain of so many in the church this morning. But brothers and sisters, I am sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And not a devil in hell can take me out of his hand. Listen, this has to be preached. I'll come to this in a moment. This is so important. To them it was given that they should not kill them. This is awful. This is awful. Is this happening in your day? They're not going to be able to kill them, but know what they're going to do with them? Those who don't have the seal. Those who don't have the seal are those that are not saved. Those that are not marked, those that are not washed in the blood, that's simply it. But you know what they do with them? They torment them. They torment them. Listen, saints, this morning, I'm not saying that the church of Jesus Christ do not wrestle in spiritual conflict. I am not saying this morning that the church of Jesus Christ, you and I as individuals, do not have battles, do not have trials and tribulations. But what I am telling you this morning with the authority of God's word. There's not a devil in hell can take you out of the hand of God. You must know that because we do have battles. How many people have battles? I'm not preaching this morning that health and prosperity and you don't have any troubles. (laughs) No, I mean? You're going to follow Jesus and you're going to walk with him and you're going to live for him. You're going to have tribulation. That's what we preach. And so there's this tormenting power. It's given to them that they should be tormented. It gives a season of time. And their torment is of the torment of a scorpion which strikes a man. In those days, men will seek to die, but they can't die. Listen, listen. Is this happening in your day? Is this something that you've heard of? Listen, we might sometimes just become too comfortable in our we own bubble that we don't see the reality of what's happening all around us. Just for a night, me and Nicky were down in Belfast, and then we got a couple of bit of time just to walk around. We're never in the city, never, never really. Like once a year, we do the Christmas thing, stand up in Victoria Square, look at the lights, and all the boys go, Ah, Dad. <laughs> This is amazing. It's free. That's what it is. But they get me in Cosmo, so don't worry about it. But we walk, we walk through those brothers and sisters. Men and women lying on streets, spaced out, drunk, despair. No, no dignity. Lying all around the corners. This is Belfast, by the way. This isn't the way across the world somewhere else. This isn't India. This isn't Africa. This is Belfast city center. 
And I know there's many good works and many social works. And I know there's, they call them street pastors. And there's people doing kitchen things and soup things and, and all the rest of it. But the people are lying in the street and they want to die, but they can't die. And they're living in torment. It's on our doorstep. It's on our doorstep. We looked into the eyes of those people and we looked into the eyes of those women. We looked into the eyes of those men. Oh, I want to tell you something. Oh, but for the grace of God, go you or go me. You ever think you're better than that? Or have you ever think that never happened to me? I'm going to tell you something. You're seriously mistaken. You play games with the devil. You play with fire. You will get burnt. I want to tell you the age at which we have come to, the spiritual powers of darkness that have been opened up onto this land. This is the bottomless pit, and this is a locust of demonic activity that's devouring all around us. So look at these, these locusts. Shapes of the locusts are like horses prepared for battle. On their heads there were crowns like gold. Their faces are the faces of men. And they had hair like women. If you want to have a description of transgenderism, Revelation is up to date. Your teeth are the teeth of lions. They had breastplates, as it were, breastplates of iron. Sound of their wings with the sound of chariots by many horses running to battle. They had tails like scorpions. They were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men for five months. They had a king over them, and the, which is the angel of the, the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon. Destroyer. That's what he is. Destroyer. The thief has come but for to steal and to kill and destroy. A demonic plague that has been unleashed on the United Kingdom in Ireland. The bottomless pits opened. There's a nation that rose up. The atmosphere has changed. The laws have changed. The people are changing. It's a spiritual battle. Sad thing today is most people in the church are more interested in casting devils out of each other rather than going out onto the streets of the city and casting devils out of these poor people. Jesus said, If I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom has come to you. Jesus said, These signs will follow them that believe in my name. They will cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. That's the gospel. This power, the gospel of the kingdom, that has been entrusted with the church, the church of the 21st century, this church, our church, has been entrusted with a gospel, and it's a gospel of power. And yet all around us there's a plague of demonic locusts devouring men and women and young people. Stay with me now. Back in the jewel, a jewel cries in verse 5, is what he cries. Now you're seeing the spiritual. Has this, could I just ask a question? Has this happened in your generation? Come on, has it happened in our generation? And so then Joel says, Awake, you drunkards, and weep. <clears throat> That's strange, isn't it? Everyone's saying, Well, 
We don't drink in this church. It's not speaking about that type of drunkenness. There's two types of drunkenness in Scripture. You see, the prophet saying, wake up. He goes on to say in a few verses, lament like a virgin in sackcloth for her husband, like a young woman who has fallen in love with a young man and they're betrothed to one another in scriptural terms and they're going to get married, they're going to spend their life together, they're, they're filled with joy and love for one another and her husband is taken from her. And all her hopes and her plans and her dreams and her visions are gone because they are in that man. And that man's gone. And now she puts on sackcloth and she begins to wail. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. He's saying, wake up, you drunkards. Weep and howl, you drinkers of wine, because the new wine, it has been cut off from your mouth. The new wine is the unfermented wine. It's the juice. It's the Holy Ghost. Lament like a virgin. The meat offering and the drink offering which were associated with the offerings, the burnt offerings in the house of the Lord. They're cut off from the house of the Lord. There's no offerings in the house of God. We don't bring the offering into the house of God. And so the priests and the Lord's ministers, they mourn. Because the fields are wasted, the land is mourning, the corn is wasted, the new wine is dried up, and the oil languishes. Drunkenness. Wake up, ye drunkards. That's what the prophet said. There are two forms of drunkenness in Scripture. One's the one that we're familiar with. It's the biggest killer, drug killer in the United Kingdom. It's the biggest killer in the United Kingdom. It's legal. It's trendy. And all the church are doing it. But 8,000 souls go into a lost eternity every year through alcohol-related deaths. But there's another drunkenness. Isaiah speaks of this spiritual drunkenness. In Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 9, he says, Stay yourselves. Wonder and cry ye out and cry. This is what it says. They are drunk, but they're not drunk with wine. Strange, isn't it? They stagger, but not with strong drink. For the Lord hath poured out upon you the spirit of a deep sleep. He's closed your eyes. The prophets and your rulers, the seers, have covered. The vision of all has become unto you like the words of a book that is sealed. Listen, the words of a book that is sealed. Come to a close in a few minutes. The vision of all. Here is a different type of drunkenness. Oh, I know Jesus loves me. I know the Bible. I can quote John 3.16. Well, I, I come to church. Oh, yeah, I, I throw a couple of pounds into the plate. I said, I just give what I can, you know what I mean? Don't worry. Yeah, but I'm saved and going to heaven. I do all the religious stuff. Yeah, I, I know it. I can love the songs. It's great worship in here. It is. 
but it's like the book sealed. It's like the book is sealed. What does that mean? The book is sealed. And so they take the book and they delivered. Well, we'll get the learner then. We'll give the book to the learner. Here, would you read this for us? And then the learner would say, the book's sealed. Well, I know we'll do then. We'll get the unlearned in. And we'll ask the unlearned, would you, would you open the book? And the unlearned say, it's sealed. What's he speaking of? Because the gospel's preached, the Bibles are opened all across this land this morning. Who are we? What is he saying? I mean, they're preached in every denomination. The book is open. People do their thing. Out by quarter past twelve, you're home for your dinner. Everyone's happy. We'll be back tonight at six, but make sure it's over for seven. And then we'll come along and we'll just do the religious thing. And yes, I'm saved and I just do my bit and, and that's it. And we just do this, this sort of the, the tram track of Christianity that we've been delivered, that we've, that's been delivered to us. And so we just go through the motions of all of that. And just we go through all the talk, all the, the things and all. But the revelation sealed. And the vision of all has become unto you that of a words that you're reading the book and you can quote and, and people walk around, you know, I've got a new revelation, brother. I want to tell you, there is no new revelation. The only revelation I'm interested in is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Just a fresh one. Because he never changes. I've got a new idea on a new doctrine. I've, got a, I've been listening all week to CDs about some special teacher that's going to teach us something new. Keep it! That's the problem. We have YouTube. We have sermons. We're preachers up to our neck, but we haven't the revelation of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Ghost. God, it's not going to be a doctrine. It's not going to be some smart person standing up with some new idea or some some fad or some seducing doctrine that brings has brought the church bankrupt. It's going to be a people on fire and filled with the Holy Ghost. God, deliver us. God, deliver us. Read this. Read that. So the Lord says in Isaiah 29, 13, For as much then as the people draw near with their mouth and with their lips they honor me, but I have removed, but have removed their heart far from me, and the fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. This is really important, really interesting. So there's a whole outward doing especially, I'm going to be honest, especially in Pentecostal circles, especially in my circles, especially me, we can say the right words. 
We all we are see the cliches. And we can turn it on. Oh boy, we are good. Pentecostals, talking about me own. We're good at it. We know how to we know I tell you, you can learn this. I tell you, you can learn this. You can learn. I want to tell you something. There's a difference between learning all this and being called of God. You can learn all the how to do it and all the right things to say. What happened to a gospel that sets men free? What happened to the power of God that delivers the oppressed, the homosexual, the prostitute, the transgender, the power of God? I don't need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Really? And so the fear is taught to me by the precept of man. This is really important. Believe the Lord, show me this. I don't have, I'm just going to be honest, I wouldn't have the intelligence to get this. I'm just being honest. That's not, oh, poor wee me. I'm just being honest this morning. I couldn't get this. I haven't got the natural ability to do that. I know God's given me this. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you, are you with me this morning? I didn't go and get a degree, and I'm not against, because the learned and the unlearned were given the book, and neither could open it. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so it's taught, of the, the fear of the Lord is taught of the precept of man. You know what that simply means? We get our experience not from Jesus himself. We get it from other people. We see it. I'm hammering YouTube this morning, and I'm going to hammer it because we sit and watch something on YouTube and say, oh, here, that's a good idea. We'll do that too. And you know what everyone's doing today in the church? They're copying what they've watched. They're copying hell songs. And they're not out to get anybody. They're copying this. They're copying that. They're copying the other. And they don't have an experience in God themselves. But it's cool. Gets the crowd in. Gets the church packed. Sounds good. Looks good. But sit down with them for a few moments and begin to talk about the things of God and the walk of God. And you might as well talk to the tambourine. Where is it with you and the Lord? Where's your walk? Are you walking with Him? Are you reading your Bible? Are you praying? Are you seeking the Lord? Are you spending time with Him? Is He changing your life? Is your heart being changed? Are you still the same old grumpy person that you were 20 years ago? Are you being changed by the power of God? Is the fruit of the Spirit evident in your life? Are you still gossiping? Are you still talking about people? Are you still backstabbing? You've been seeing for 150 years. Any chance? And so the fear of the Lord is taught by the precept of men. God's saying, I want to meet you, and I want you to meet me, and I want your revelation to be that you have met with me, and I'll change your life, and I'll fill you with the power of the Holy Ghost, and you'll walk with me, and I'll teach you all things. Am I saying for a moment this morning that we shouldn't come to church and sit under the preaching of God's word? Absolutely not. Have you ever found someone who doesn't believe that they need to sit in a house 
and be part of a fellowship and be under the word of God. Listen, vacate the place quickly. That's dangerous. That's pride, by the way. I don't need anyone to teach me anything. I need you and you need me. And that's the way God has placed the order. And you need a pastor and you need leaders over you. And those leaders are here to serve you as we are all to serve one another. And so the precepts are taught of men. Jesus said in Matthew 15, quoting from Isaiah 29, this people draw near to me with their mouth, honor me with their lips, their heart is far from me. In vain their worship, they teach doctrines and the commandments of men. They have their own ideas. And all of a sudden, what everyone does today is very clever. Oh, that's the Pharisees. That's the people that wear the suits. I want to tell you something. There are Pharisees that wear suits. But I want to tell you something. I've met a lot of Pharisees that go casual. And once we start to get down and put things into a box of what way you dress... We're being duped by the powers of darkness. Because what they're learning is the precept of men, but not an individual experience with God themselves. The book sealed. What does God want to do? Sorry, I'm way over time. But I'll show you what he wants to do. I want to show you what God wants to do. It's found in Luke chapter 4. With this, we're going to close. Luke chapter 4, verse 17. And this is what needs to happen in the church today, individually, corporately. Luke chapter 4, verse 17. Jesus has just returned in the power of the Holy Spirit from the wilderness. He has defeated uh, the devil. He was tempted three times. He overcame him by the word of the Lord. He returns in the power of the Holy Ghost. And in Luke chapter 4, he goes into that local synagogue and there was delivered unto him, verse 17, there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, I want to tell you there's one that can open the book this morning. It's not Tim McElrath. It's Jesus Christ. Do you understand what's happening here? Here is the beginning of the gospel ministry. It is Jesus that opens the book. And when he opens the book, the revelation then comes of who he is. And that revelation can only come by the power of the Holy Spirit. Stay with me. And it was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. When he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it again to the minister, sat down, and the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened in him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, as I close this morning, we, has this happened in your day? Would you say amen if it has? You say amen if it hasn't? Praise the Lord. You're all with me then. 
This has happened in our day. A demonic outpouring. You've agreed with me. There's a demonic outpouring of spiritual darkness. The bottomless pit is open. The locusts have come. The land, that's our people, are being devoured and being tormented with the, with the powers like a scorpion with a sting in its tail. They're being tormented. And know what they're saying? Know what they're saying? You've met them? Have you met them? Have you met them? I would rather die. I would rather die than live this miserable life. They're so tormented with the powers of darkness. We're going to come to the anchor point because the crucial part of this is our response to God's Word. Oh, I believe it's so dark. It's terrible. Men are waxing worse and worse. I believe that. Yes, I believe that. I believe it's... But brothers and sisters, we have been given a gospel. And Jesus says, I want you to experience the power of the Holy Ghost. Ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You're going to be a witness for me in Ballin' a Hinge. How are you going to do it? By the power of the Holy Ghost. By the power of the Holy Ghost. The revelation. The revelation. Let me tell you, there is one worthy that's opened the book. His name's Jesus. And the revelation comes not just by going through a systematic, I read my Bible, I've done five verses today, and I have prayed for ten minutes, and that is over for the day. Now I'm going to do what way I live. Brothers and sisters, that isn't what this is about. This is a walk. This is a relationship. This is a life. This is Jesus in me, the hope of glory. And the power of the Holy Ghost. Are you filled with the Holy Ghost? Are you filled with the Holy Ghost? Because the restoration that we'll come to in these coming weeks that we heard of in the word this morning that came forth, there is a restoration that is coming to the bride of Christ and it is a revelation of who Jesus Christ is. But not only that, it is to empower the church to go forth with the Spirit of the Lord upon them to heal the broken in heart, to bind up the wounds, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to set the prisoner free. We need to meet with him. Is your religion, or is your walk, more, more or less just an intellectual ascent? You've been taught so much. It's just something that you know. Listen, I know I could get some of the unsaved young people to stand here, and they could present to us a gospel message. And God can take the words of a donkey. I'm not saying they're donkeys, but they could take the words of a donkey to use. God has used the foolish things of this world, but what God's looking for is people that have a walk with Him, have an encounter, have a revelation of Jesus. But not only that, but are full of the Holy Ghost. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Lord, do it right here. Do it in us. Lord, deliver us from all just going through the motions of we have all the right things to say, but give us a power that reaches the men and the women of Balnehinch, Lisburn, Downpatrick, Castlewellan, Belfast. Lord, give us a gospel that sets men free. We can give them a cup of soup, but friends, if they die tonight, they're going to hell. 
Bring a bit of coat on them. That's not wrong. That's not wrong. Bring a bit of coat on them. Keep them warm for a night. But if they die in the freezing cold, they've gone to a lost eternity. But give us a gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ that sets the prisoner free. Lord, whatever it takes, give me a fresh revelation of Jesus in my heart, in my life, and in this church. We want to walk with him. We want to be changed by him. Brothers and sisters, the only answer against this tide is a people full of the Holy Ghost. Lord, do you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost? Do you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost? Lord, fill me. I do. Fill us afresh this morning. Fill us anew. Lord, break the book open. Let us see you. Let us see Jesus. Let's stand together.